This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good? For sure? Okay, so that's good. Give yourself a hand. Yeah, honestly. So we're starting a brand new series today. Now, last week we concluded New Other Gospel from the book of Galatians. And I, I loved going, going through that book. And this week for our summer series, actually summer series, I'm not sure how long it will go, actually, to be totally honest with you. Um, we're taking a look at Paul's letters from prison, Locked Up, Not out. Locked up, not out. So four books we're going to look at. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and and then Philemon. Um, These books, I've divided the New Testament. I kind of follow this into into three three main categories. The Gospels, the one historical book of Acts, and then what I think the rest are instructional books, instructions for the church, for you and me, how how to live this world, live in this world that denies Christ. And what's our role as a church? Um, as the body of Christ and as members of this church. How do we live this out? But the title, Locked Up, Not Out, really speaks to the reality of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his church today. Um, The church is victorious because Jesus is victorious. And uh, we we go to the first book of the Bible where it says, "In in the beginning, God created... And then we go to Revelations, right, at the very last book of the Bible, and here's what we read. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign, what? Forever and ever. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his church today, it's, it's the reality that you and I live in. You cannot lock up the gospel message, and we're going to see that. You can't lock it up. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, you might want to go there. It's also coming up on the screen. It's a passage where Jesus, pointing to the future of the church, states this. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And what? Say it together. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church, the body of Christ, made up of all people who come to faith, in Jesus Christ exists only because of the centrality of the truth that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And so regardless of when you have come to faith, it may have been just recently, immediately when we became faith, we became part of the body of Christ, the church, in that moment and in that instant. And Jesus says this, he simply says it this way, nothing, not even his impending death, would hinder God's purposes. You can just imagine maybe some of the comments going around that day when, he, when Jesus died on the cross and he was crucified. Yeah, we, 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 we got him. He's dead. And the reality is, no, no, you did not. Just wait for a few days. He, Jesus, would defeat the powers of death and would rise from the dead and build his church. And so today, I want to talk about that as kind of foundation excuse me, foundational to the next number of weeks as we look at locked up, not out. The church is not playing defense. The church is on the offensive. The church is and remains victorious. And understand, of course, when we're talking about the church, we're talking about the body of Christ. In ancient times, the cities were surrounded with gates and when attacked, 
the gates were usually the first place the enemy would attempt entry. And so the protection of the city was determined by the strength and power of its gates. And so if you were to drop back into the book of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of, 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 the, of the wall, the city wall, you would find that Nehemiah instructed them to build, they built the gates first. They built the walls. That's how, how the wall went up. The protection of the city was determined by the strength and power of its gates. And in this verse, hell is represented as a mighty city with its gates representing its power. But let's emphasize its limited power. Not only would the church be established despite the powers of hell, but the church would thrive in spite of these powers. The church, the body of Christ, will never fail. God's purposes will never fail in the world today. The church never fails. It's the body of Christ. Jesus declares the truth of, of, of the body. Jesus declares that death has no power to hold God's people in captivity. We're a victorious people. And sometimes I think we can feel all locked up, right? All contained because all the stuff that's going on in the world today. But you can't lock up the gospel message. If you're discouraged... As you look around in the world today, I'm just going to say this. Don't be. How many have read the news? You've seen what's going on in the world today? And discouragement begins to sit in. Raise your hand because my hand's up. Say, we can. We, it's easy. We don't have to be discouraged because we know the end of the story. Right? There is no power and there's no strength that can stop the gospel message. We're going to be looking at that as we look at Paul's, Paul's letters. When what people need to see today is a church that stands on the truth of who Jesus is. His love for all people and the gospel message that Jesus came to save lost people. Of which you and I were before we came to faith. When the church remains faithful to Christ, despite its challenges, it grows. When we remain faithful to the truth of the word, remain faithful to Christ, Despite the challenges that you and I face in the world today, personally, corporately, the church grows. Let me tell you the story of the church in China, and perhaps some of you know, but just listen to this. When the communists took control of China in 1949, most experts estimate that there were about 750,000 Christians in the entire country. A tiny number in such a vast sea of humanity the communists declared war on God, but found out they could not touch him. So they declared war on his followers instead. For nearly 40 years, Bibles were burned. Church buildings were demolished. By the way, we're seeing that in the world today. And the entire leadership of the body of Christ was rounded up, tortured, and sent to die in remote prison labor camps. In the eyes of the communist party, Christianity had indeed been consigned to history. But what's our theme? You can lock it up, but you can't lock it out. But after being underground for 40 years, they emerged from hiding. From 750,000 scattered sheep in 1949, the church in China today numbers over 129 million people. Isn't that amazing? 
You see, you can, you can, lock, you can lock it up, but you can't lock it out. Because it's, it's the church, it's the living body of, of Christ. And Paul's imprisonment represents man's attempt to stop the gospel message from going forth. Now in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to kind of put this within the context of where you are today. Everywhere Paul went, there were people who wanted him in prison for preaching the gospel. How would you like that life? Like everywhere you go, like somebody wants to lock you up, like someone wants to put you away, someone wants to do you harm. His life, I don't think, is one that we would go like, hey, I, I'd like to have that life. I don't think we would. Just, I'll give you the description now, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, am I talking like a madman? With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And he doesn't mean... Okay. He means stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who wants to sign up? I know. That's exactly how I feel. So let, let's take a look at what, what was Paul's attitude when he was in prison and when he was locked up. Let's see what you and I can learn, what we can glean from, because you, can't, you can lock it up, but you can't lock it what? Out, exactly. So what was his attitude in prison? By the way, this is powerful. This will speak to us today. In times when we find ourselves discouraged, like, like the whole world is going to wherever, and discouragement starts to sit in, or we feel like we're kind of contained or locked up, what was Paul's attitude? Well, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, he says this, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of who? Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. He wasn't a prisoner of, pe a prisoner of people. He was a prisoner of Christ Jesus, because of his faithfulness to the stewardship God had given him among the Gentiles, Jewish opposition rose against him. It resulted in his being attacked in, in Jerusalem. And Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. It's for you. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Are you getting his attitude? Hey, what's happening to me you're you locking me up, but you're not locking it out. It, it's really doing the opposite. It's, it's advancing the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for who? Say it, Christ. Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That's attitude. Paul's imprisonment would not only advance the gospel, but would also be a source of encouragement for the brothers. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. 
Now he says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. When was the last time you're suffering, you're being attacked? You go, hey, I rejoice in this. Now, I rejoice in my suffering for who? For your sake. Philemon, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. You see, absent from Paul's writings is like, like you got to get me out of this place. Like, God, look, what have you done to me? And let's be honest, if you were writing a letter from prison, and we can only just, like, imagine what the prison was like, in some cases, like, what would it sound like? Um, what would you say? What would you say to the people that you love? What would you say to the people you, you care for? Let me just make some suggestions, right? First one is, like, you got to get me out of here. Get me out of here. How about this one? I'm unjustly in prison, and perhaps that's true. I'm being treated poorly here. Someone needs to do something. How about this one? I don't, I don't deserve this. Would we, would we say that? How about that? There are people worse than me who are free. <laughs> maybe that's one. Or, or maybe this one, like, how am I supposed to fulfill God's plan for my life when I'm locked up? Put prison in your context. Because some of us in our own life maybe feel like we're there. We, we just can't, we can't live out the gospel in my workplace, in my family. It feels like I'm, I'm constrained. I can't fulfill God's plan here. Again, I was reminded of, of the example of Paul and Silas in, in prison. And uh, the book of Acts describes this event when Paul was in prison with, with, with his buddy Silas. It's the attitude that I'm drawn to that marked Paul's life. And I have thought about this so much. Remember that they were tossed in prison. And at midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. Which is f amazing to me, right? It's like they're in prison, they're in stocks, they're uncomfortable, and they're singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there's this great earthquake, right? And if you're a Bible reader, you know what happens. If not, just let me tell you. The foundations of the prison were, were shaken, and immediately this really cool thing happened. All the doors opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So like um, chains, leg socks, and everything. All of a sudden, the doors are open. I am free. What are you going to do? Run! Who isn't going to run? Of course you're going to run. I'm going to run. That is not what happened. This is amazing. I think it speaks so powerfully to us. The doors are open. The jailer awoke and saw that they were open. And what was he going to do? He was going to kill himself because like he killed himself before they killed him for, you know, the prisoners ex escaping. But Paul cries out. Here's what he says. Like, don't harm yourself. We are all here. We haven't run. We haven't left this prison. Um, there's, there's nothing that you have to worry about. The jailer calls for the lights to be turned on. And here's what the Bible says. In trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Do you see what's going on here? Paul and Silas were in that place where, humanly speaking, we all want to get out of. But Paul recognized that his imprisonment that day 
with Silas was for a purpose. And when he could have, he didn't. And because he didn't, the jailer and his entire household come to faith. Paul's attitude was this. He was in the right place at the right time, even though he had the opportunity to leave. And even though it was probably a place that you and I, and probably a place that Paul and Silas may not have chosen, had they been asked. But he recognized that God was doing something here. You can lock up the gospel message, or, or try to, but you can't lock it out. No circumstance, no situation can thwart the purposes of God. And because he stayed focused on the mission and the passion of his life, the gospel message went forward. The entire household came to faith. Put it in the context maybe that you're in right now, where you are, again, at work, within your family, wherever you are. And I've said it this way before, and I'll say it again. Sometimes we need to stop praying to get out for the Lord to take us out of the place that he has actually put us into so we can live out this gospel message and see people come to faith. Paul, reflecting on the attitude of Christ, said this in Philippians chapter 2. I'll just share it with you. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through, or though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so I just want to share five lessons I think we're going to learn as we move forward as we look at Paul's prison, prison letters. Number one, the power of contentment or God's provision. The power of contentment. Learning to live a life of contentment, recognizing that God always provides. Philippians chapter 4 verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation, let's just stop there for just a moment. I have learned that in whatever situation or in whatever circumstance, so where are you today? Are, are you in need? Is that where you find yourself? Are you in that place where you're like, I just want to get out of here. I have learned that whatever situation I'm in, I, I've learned to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. You see, changing circumstances did not affect the inner content, contentment that Paul enjoyed. He didn't change. I mean, let's, let's be honest. If today's a good day, if it's a sunny day, it's good, you know, we're going to be content, right? But if something happens, how, how often do we fall to the other side of contentment? Paul used this word to refer to a divinely bestowed sufficiency, whatever the circumstance. God provides everything that we need as we live out his purposes in life. The power of contentment, God's provision. We're going to see that. We're going to learn more about that. Secondly, circumstances do not dictate our effectiveness. How many of us have been in that place that God, if, if I could, when I get to this point, then I can do this, right? 
Like if, if you just change my circumstance, I can really be effective for you. We don't see that in Paul's prison letters at all. In fact, it was his circumstances that really allowed for his effectiveness. There are times when we pray something like this, God, if you could just change the circumstance I'm in, I'd be more effective for you. Just change it. And it's it, it's kind of like, it goes along with this. Now, I'm sure that we, we, we don't do this. I don't know, maybe, maybe we do. God, I'm going to buy this lottery ticket for you. <laughs> this is not for me, God. You, you understand, it's not, not for me. And um, um, when, we, when, we, when we win, and now my circumstances change, God, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, I'm gonna give like some of it to the church or to your, to your work. If my circumstances could just change, I'll tell you a little story, only a few of you would know this. Um, when the Washington State Lottery um, was just started, we were contacted by, I uh, had a contact that focused on the family and they said, would you, we're doing an article on lottery tickets. Would you, would you go buy a lottery ticket? And because what we want to do is do an article like it, how, how you really end up um, losing when you, when you play the lottery. And so I said, sure, I'll go buy a lottery ticket. So I got $5 from Church Petty Cash. <laughs> and I, and I, promptly marched up to buy a losing ticket um, with the Washington State Lottery and promptly won. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we won like, I don't know, five, six, seven dollars or, or something like that with this losing ticket. I think about two or three of them and we sent the spent ones to them. But anyway, do you, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's often like our prayers, like God just changed my circumstance, changed the circumstance of my marriage. And, and, I, and I get that there are a lot of us who are challenged in our, in our marriages. I get that. Change the circumstance in my job. Change the circumstance in my, change the circumstances in my city. God, just change the circumstance because if you just do that, then like I could be really effective. What if we began to pray this prayer? God, in my circumstance, in my circumstance, would you just make me shine for you? Wherever I am today, can I live out your purpose in life? Remembering Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You can do your life through Christ who strengthens you. You can live out your purposes right where you are today, whatever that circumstance. It might be one that, humanly speaking, you would want to change. It might be one, humanly speaking, I, I wish I could change for you. But what if we took on this attitude? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God, in my circumstance, would you allow me to live out your, would strengthen me to live out your purposes? Paul said he could do everything, no matter what came his way. It could have, maybe it was poverty, Maybe abundance through Christ who gave him strength. Number three, we got two more. The uh, importance of focus. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. So we got to change our focus, right? We got to get our eyes off what's going on in the world and focus on Christ who is seated above at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not things on earth. <clears throat> so it's intentionally saying, okay, God, 
My eyes are on you. My focus on you. When we set our eyes, that's intentional. That's purposeful. And sometimes we've got to just lift our, our gaze and get it off things that are happening in the world today. Lifting our eyes. Changing our, our focus. Can you imagine... That to be difficult teaching if you were being held in any kind of prison. Can you imagine going up to the Apostle Paul, getting him a message and say, Paul, I know you're in prison. Look, just change your focus. You can just lift your eyes up. That would be hard to do. And it may feel hard to do where we are today. Keep your eyes up. Stay focused. Don't let the things of earth, whatever is going on, Draw your attention away from what Christ wants to do in you and through you. The importance of focus, we're going to see that. Trust in God to provide strength for the journey, number four, Ephesians chapter three. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. We're going to trust God to provide strength for the journey. And in just a few moments, I'm going to be praying for us. And I'm going to invite us to take our circumstance, our situation that we're in right now today, and say, God, here I am. Use me in the circumstance for your purpose, for your glory. Provide everything that I need. And then we're going to see this, the difference between joy and happiness, because there's a difference, you know. Someone properly said, I think, happiness depends upon happenings. Joy is something that's inside. If, if things happen to go well, then we're happy. But joy is far beyond that. The difference between joy and happiness. How can you be joyful when everything seems to be going the wrong way? Maybe that's where you are today. Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say do what? Rejoice. Rejoice. And so as we walk through Paul's letters, we're going to be seeing as well the hope we have in Christ, including the purpose that we live with. We'll see that. The unity of the church and the need for the church to be unified in its mission. What's it look like to fully express Christ? We're going to talk about submission to Christ and to one another. We're going to talk about standing firm. We're going to talk about how do we live out this faith during these days in all areas of our life, every area. It's going to be a great journey, and I just invite you to join. Next week, we'll be church on the lawn, but we'll be diving into the first part of Ephesians chapter 1. So I just encourage you, it's a short book, get into Ephesians. That's where we'll be spending the next number of weeks and ask God, look, what is it that you're going to say to me in my circumstance right now? So let's stand together, shall we? And here's what I'd like for you to do. Would you just lift where you are today to the Lord? Maybe you have felt ineffective for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe that's where you are today. Um, maybe you feel like life is just kind of squeeze you in. Things aren't going well in your job. Things aren't going well in your marriage. If you're married, things aren't going well in other relationships. What if we just said today, what if all of us online, every, what if we just prayed this prayer, God, in my life today, regardless of what it looks like, um, whatever the challenges in my circumstance, would you use me for your purpose and your glory? You see, 
Look, the enemy wants to take your focus off who Jesus is. The enemy wants to take your focus off and my focus off and our focus off of who he is and why he came. He came to save lost people. And his purpose will not be thwarted as the church, that's you and me, lives out this, 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 this life that he has given to you and to me. Amen. So what's the circumstance? Let's just lift it to the Lord today, shall we? So Father, we just, we lift up where we are today, the circumstance that we may be. Things may be going really, really well. Remind us, it's all about you. We might be in a challenging place in, in our work, in our, in our marriage, in our relationships with people. Um, whatever it looks like, God, we, we might be there. We might be even be questioning whether we can be effective or not. Would you just remind us that in every circumstance, regardless of what it is, God, you deeply desire to use us where we are. For some of us, maybe our prayer needs to shift just a little bit. Maybe it's no longer a prayer to get me out. It's to use me in. And God would pray that as we do that. I would pray, Father, as we kind of journey through these summer months, that you would speak personally to each and every one of us, that you would change us, Lord, to be more like you. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh,
Because 